out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creek. What's up, what's up, paper people? How's it going, Rob? Hey, I'm doing great. All right. How like you doing, your, man? Uh, your radio DJ. Hey! hey. <laughs> I'm doing great. Good. Glad yeah. to hear it. Yeah. No complaints. I forgot to mention happy birthday. It's not my birthday. Oh, that's funny, because I thought we had the same birthday. <sighs> Happy birthday, Rob. <laughs> that was actually... Nice. A stroke of genius by Michael, if I do say so myself. It was pretty good. Yeah. Very tactful way to get somebody to wish you happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess at this point... um, well, the mics are on us, or I would say everything that's in my heart, you know? <laughs> Click. <laughs> well, yes. Happy birthday, Rob. And happy birthday, Michael. Yeah. Because today we are going over Michael's birthday. We're celebrating Michael Scott's birthday. Mm-hmm. In the best way possible. With an episode of Out of Paper. Combing through every... Little bit of minutia this episode has to offer. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> we are the most thorough office podcast out there. Are we? I feel very comfortable saying that. I think it might be true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there might be someone out there we don't know about, but from what we've sampled, it we, seems to be. We've true. scoured the lands. Right. And we're the best. We're the best there is. I don't know if I'd say best. <laughs> oh, come on. Let's say good for any of our listeners that are now Signcast fans as well. I was quoting uh, Shlomo, the getaway driver. Shlomo! <laughs> yes. Shlomo and Prickly Pete. Well, if we're not the best, I can say that the people who listen to Out of Paper are the best fans. That's for sure. Of any Office podcast, maybe of any podcast around. Yeah, yeah. I don't know of any better fans. Me either. Right. So, you know, only only the true, you know, office fans are going to listen to us, and that that's those, true. Those are the best people. Even so. I don't. I mean, I've heard good things, but I, I not it hasn't quite pushed me to check us out just yet. <laughs> <laughs> one when day. people are talking. One, yeah, one day. One I'll, day. I'll see what this whole podcast is about. <laughs> I'm just not sure. so news time now news time all right it looks like uh first up we have that the first look at jack ryan season two is out oh man everybody get on youtube right now did you take the first look of course not oh (laughs) did you yes oh i loved it you loved every minute yeah even though it was only a minute it was however long it was (laughs) i loved all of it yeah (laughs) No, I did not. I still haven't seen season one, but uh, one day. I, I almost did. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know how much crossover there will be with fans of this versus fans of that. I mean, they're pretty different things. They are. Yeah. But yeah, for anybody uh, who is looking for more John Krasinski, definitely check out Jack Ryan. Yes. That is coming out soon, season two. Um, What do we have in other news? We got a lot of news. We do, actually. Yeah, it's awesome. It looks like we have more since the outline was made, too, maybe. Uh, You found. I mean, and yeah, I actually found a couple more right before we started. Right. Let's, yeah, let's just jump into all of it. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got Rain Wilson is teaming up with Prizio, I assume. Prizio, Prizio. Prizio, whichever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is to give one lucky fan a tour of fake Scranton, PA, the set they shot the office on in LA. And uh, apparently you're going to go with Rain Wilson if you win this charity auction, I guess. You can get lunch at Benihana, and uh, buying in costs as little as $10. All proceeds go to, I assume, Lide? Uh, I know in my outline I didn't put the hyphen over the E, but there was one. Oh, I, well, there is one down here a little uh, further. Okay. Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, Lide Haiti. Blah. Can't speak. An organization that provides academic support and arts programs that empower girls who have been denied equal access to education... And strengthen their resiliency. Hmm. It trains and employs Haitian teachers and youth program facilitators and collaborates with grassroots organizations and schools so that programs derive from local needs, strengthen local capacity, and foster the community support girls need to begin their educational journeys. That is a very worthy cause. It is. And, um, yeah, in case people can't tell, I took that straight from their website. I figured I won't do a better job of summing up. I thought you had that committed to memory. (laughs) (laughs) I won't do a better job of summing up their mission than they will. Um, Yeah, it was all committed to memory. And I put my own spin on it. Not only is that a great (laughs) cause, but the prize sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. I would love to tour the office building with Rain Wilson and eat at Benihana with him. Well, have you donated $10 yet, Rob? I've, I'm going to, for sure. Let's do it now. Yeah, I really Let's would. Cue up that Boston Nova. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely is worth doing. And um, from the research I did, it looks like Rain Wilson has actually been involved with this charity for either four or five years now. So right. definitely a worthy cause. And uh, props to them and to Rain Wilson. That sounds great. We'll put a link in our show notes if any of you listeners want to check it out. Absolutely. I mean, the more donations they can use, the better, it seems. I mean, for sure. So, yeah. What do we have next? It looks like Deadline reports that BJ Novak is writing, directing, and executive producing a new half-hour anthology pilot that has received the green light from FX. Woo! Yeah. It's going to be called Platform. And it has not received a series order yet, but it's already attracted Lucas Hedges, John Barenthal, The Punisher, mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin Dever, Boyd Hollabrook, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. Oh, and George Wallace and Ed Asner. Yeah. And um, yeah, it looks like they're all going to star in the pilot, among other people. It's a pretty loaded pilot. That's all the pilot? That's Yeah, that's what it says. Holy cow. I think it's only been ordered for the pilot so far, so yeah. Wow. They described it as an anthological series that uses the boldest issues of our times as a jumping off point to tell singular character-driven stories about the world we live in today. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of vague, but... 
It's just kind of vague. It, it could be just it, about anything. It intrigues me. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. I mean, BJ Novak wrote a lot of The Office, so clearly he knows what he's doing when it comes to writing yeah, and directing. It'll be interesting to see if it's more of a drama versus a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It will be. Yeah. Well, speaking of BJ Novak. This could be either way. Yeah. yeah. So BJ Novak recently celebrated his 40th birthday. <laughs> and uh, he was joined by Mindy Kaling, Angela Kinsey, Jenna Fisher, and Oscar Nunez. Yeah. Little mini reunion. Mm-hmm. Speaking of little mini reunions, if you check our Twitter feed, I recently posted a picture of Leslie David Baker. Kate Flannery, uh, who played Nellie? What's her name? Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate and Creed Bratton. They were all together at GalaxyCon just a couple days ago. It's too bad they didn't join BJ Novak for his birthday. That would have been almost a full-blown reunion. Yeah. Maybe there's some bad blood there we don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. No. <laughs> I doubt it, but you never know. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds like a fun birthday party, if you ask me. Yeah. A little office reunion. Yeah. It also makes me feel old that Ryan the Temp is 40. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Time just keeps slipping, slipping, slipping. Indeed it does. Into the future. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On that note, it also looks like... uh, the next news item we have is that the Office Parody Musical is going on tour nationwide. Yeah! And um, their tickets are on sale now, depending on location. Um, so look into that. They're Parody. coming to Portland next April? Oh. Uh, yeah, next April. And tickets go on sale October 25th, so if we have any local Portland paper people... You want to check it out? Should buy tickets because I think Dan and I are going to be there too. Seems likely. If we get enough people, maybe we'll host a little paper people pregame party at a bar nearby. There's a lot of peas in that. I know. Title. <laughs> I mean, had we stuck with our previous name, People Person Paper People Podcast. Oh right. Could have had even more peas in that sentence. Hmm. <laughs> Now we're the paperless people. Yeah. <laughs> people got there before us. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Oh, okay. So now I have a couple news stories. Yeah. what we got going yeah, on Yeah, before here. we dive into the rest of the show. If you're a Funko Pop freak, it's time for you to rejoice because they are releasing a Jim, Pam, and Prison Mike Funko Pop figurine or whatever you people call them. Whoa. Yeah. I I know I know people that are into it, so yeah, I do too. I would imagine they would be excited. So and Funko pop it up. There was one more story, and it's gone. <laughs> Is it gone? It's gone forever. Uh, it looks like um, I found it. The other story that you found is that the Good Place just uh, finished wrapping its yes. final episode. Michael its final episode shooting. Michael Shores. I almost want to call it his magnum opus. Really? I mean, it is... He's pretty young. He might have time for another. That's true. Fair enough. But, yeah. 
The Good Place is a brilliant show. Michael Shore created it. And it just finished wrapping up its final episode. I didn't realize this was going to be its last season. Yeah. Makes me announced it along with the schedule. Makes me sad. Yeah. At the same time, I'm glad that um, it has an end in sight. You know, a set story to tell from start to finish. And yes. It's not just something that's going to kind of meander around aimlessly. Yes. Not that I think Michael Sher would necessarily do that, but it's no. nice to... Uh, yeah, see something through. The silver lining of this dark cloud is that Michael Schur now is going to have time to work on another project, and who knows, maybe it could be even better than everything he's done before, as, right. you, were, as you were saying. So this frees him up to develop more stories. He's a good storyteller, so I'm excited about that. So do it to it, Michael Schur. Yeah, get on it. Yeah. <laughs> you could make us, to that. You could make us start another podcast. Right. Following whatever your new show's gonna be. We could start the good podcast. The good podcast. <laughs> that would be fun. There's so much in those episodes to unpack. Yeah, there is. It'd almost be kind of daunting. I feel like we'd have yeah. to study a lot of philosophy. A lot of philosophy. Yeah, yeah it's true. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> We're probably not qualified. No, I don't think so. Yeah. We're barely qualified to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, I think that's all the news we had, isn't it? I believe it is. All right. That's a lot of news for a Whew, I think series that's been done for years. Definitely the, years. definitely the most news we've ever done yeah. in the beginning of an episode. I'm impressed. Yes. All right. So um, a couple more things real quick before we move on to start the episode. Ah, yes. Uh, we were corresponding with friend of the show, Josh, and he raised an interesting question, mm -hmm. um, which was in comparison to Seinfeld, which at one point was at risk of being canceled from having as low as 13 million viewers an episode, mm -hmm. why The Office was known as being so popular while it actually never got up to 13 million viewers per episode. And I did a lot of research into Nielsen and... Uh, the rating system. The rating system, right. That's how mm -hmm. people determine uh, how many people, or networks determine how many people are watching an episode of television. Yes. And get the viewer numbers that Rob and I talk about for each episode. Yes. And it turns out there's a lot of reasons uh, for the discrepancy between The Office and Seinfeld, but without getting too detailed about it basically the viewer numbers for television programs are entirely estimated uh they do a random survey based on a percentage of households that they either have equipment in or convince people to fill out watcher diaries of and send into them each week and they can only collect from households they can't collect from apartment buildings or dormitories or you know group living facilities of any kind so right. they can only garner a rough estimate at best so for even all the episodes that we've talked about so far it seems like every number that we've thrown out there could be entirely incorrect when we say nine million people watched an episode it could have been closer to you know 30 million there's really yeah. no way to know it's when true. it comes down to it um, and it looks like in addition to more people participating in the Nielsen rating system when Seinfeld is on air, um, it also comes down to there being 
just the sheer amount of shows happening at once. Right. And uh, shows also started to be defined more by viewer blocks. So I was reading uh, here. Let me might have to cut a second of this lag while I find something that was here. Sounded pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I think we could have a group going. Yeah, we should do an acapella band. Oh, man. Do Re Migos. Where is this? I was having too much fun doing that with you. I wasn't even looking anymore. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> so it looks like, um, yeah, they basically, Network started also prioritizing the 18 to 49 age range, um, somewhere in between the Seinfeld ending and the office starting. Oh. And uh, so if you look at Nielsen's overall ratings for TV shows in terms of viewer popularity, after Seinfeld, there was a one-year period where Friends was the top-rated show, and then after that, it was actually NCIS for years um, by a wide margin, I think. Yeah, they had more than double the viewers of The Office consistently. But The Office had a much higher percentage of the 18 to 49 demographic so they actually got much more advertising money put into the commercial surrounding the show oh. than NCIS ever did. Huh. So, yeah, it seems like in addition to, you know, the numbers just kind of being an unknown entity, uh, yeah, that's why The Office was uh, never quite up to the numbers of Seinfeld. Just, it might have been. And uh, also, you know, streaming television was becoming more popular at the time. Right. So. Anything being watched over the internet is not able to be taken into account by the rating system. Not to mention, I feel like in the late 90s, just the amount of options you had blew up. You yeah. know, I feel like in the early 90s, we had, it wasn't a basic cable package or even just like the next step up. It was a premium cable package, but I still only had, you know, 60, maybe 70 channels to choose from. And then as soon as digital cable boxes hit the market, it's like all of a sudden you've got hundreds of channels. Mm -hmm. So that probably played a small role as well. For sure. Just having more options of what to watch in a certain time slot. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, a lot of factors at play. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Hard to say what was more popular, you know, Seinfeld or The Office at certain points of their run. I mean, it's safe to say that the Office during its more popular seasons was for sure more popular than Seinfeld in its first four seasons when barely anybody was watching it. Right. But yeah. Tough to compare. It is tough to compare. But again, shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Josh. Thanks for bringing that up because it was an interesting question that I thought about but didn't you know, bother to look into. So, Guy's really rising in the ranks of the paper people. Was this the second time we're giving him a shout out? <laughs> no, yeah, I was, uh, but I'm just, you know. <laughs> um, there's one other thing I thought we could bring up that uh, is also a question from Josh that uh, 
Yep. Number one paper. No, not number one. They're all equal. All paper people are he's, equal. He's a producer eyes. at this point. <laughs> just give him a producer credit. <laughs> um, he asked the question. I don't know if we ever expressly said this during an episode of the podcast before, but uh, he asked how many times each of us have gone through the office. Mm, I did see that. It. Yeah. So I figured instead of emailing him back with that answer, might as well just go into it on the show. So. If you want to go first, Rob, you're more than welcome. Okay. I mean, I would say probably more times than I can count on both hands. Wow, the entire series? But I, but with a caveat, there have been plenty of times where I've randomly picked an episode without, you know, I'm just, I have nothing to watch. I can't think of anything. So I'm just like, oh, I'll watch an episode of The Office. Okay, fair enough. I watch an episode, say, in the middle of the third season. And I go from there. Finish the whole series. <laughs> and then I go back up. I go from the beginning back up to whatever that episode in the third season was. That so I that watched. counts for a full watch through. It does, but it's you know, it's not a conventional full watch through. So So you're saying you don't know, but somewhere over ten times. Probably. Okay. You know, some of those times, you know, I'm sure I wasn't paying full attention to what was happening, just, you know. Right. Might have been doing something else. Kind of in the background, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but, you know, it's certainly made its way into my psyche. <laughs> so, yeah, enough that it's somewhat a part of me. Right. There you go. I like it. That's a good <laughs> okay. answer. All right. Um, and, yeah, I would have to give a similar answer in that I really don't know the exact number. I'm going to say for sure at least 10 times as well, maybe more like 15 Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and I also have started it in a manner similar to Rob. I'll just start a random episode somewhere in the first few seasons usually and then just keep going until it's done. Yeah. And then work my way back to it. Right. I will say, too, there's also times, you know, there was times before the series was even finished that I would watch through to up to a point oh, yeah, where whatever was available. Uh-huh. So, again, it's like... I don't know. It's hard to say. It is hard to say. Yeah. I kind of want to try sometime something that Vinny said he did on Signcast that seemed to blow Matt's mind and kind of blew my mind too. What's that? I watched the entire series chronologically, episode to episode, backwards. Hmm. I've never done it with Seinfeld or The Office or anything really, but it does sound like a very interesting way to experience a show, especially right. one that you're so familiar with in and out. Yeah, that's fascinating. I feel like if you're not not super familiar with the show, it'd probably just be chaos. But for sure, I feel confident I could do it with Seinfeld or The Office. Yeah, easy. You know, you might pick up small details about the quote unquote rising action that led to something in the episode you see. That's a good point. That comes after before you watch the episode before. Yeah, that's a very good point. Interesting. Oh man, here we go. <laughs> Watch number 20. Yeah. The backwards watch. <laughs> Let's do it. Maybe we'll take a break on the podcast and we'll come back to it after we've watched every episode backwards. Backwards, yeah. <laughs> we'll work our way back to episode uh, season two, episode 20. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, good questions. Appreciate them. And uh, those are our answers. Yeah. So, should we move on to this episode? How do you like that, Josh? You just took up ten minutes of our podcast time. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's the level of responsiveness that we give our listeners. Right. Take that <laughs> Facebook response level. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do we got today? We have season two, episode 19, Michael's birthday, 25th episode overall. 25th overall. It means we've done this podcast 24 times already. It's amazing. Yeah. It doesn't feel like we've done it more than 22 times at the most to me. We've easily produced over 40 hours of content, a full work week's worth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we have. And it took so much more than 40 hours to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's been fun every it's step of the way. A lot of fun. Yes. All right. So, Michael's birthday aired March 30th, 2006. It was viewed by 7.8 million viewers. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll just add that addendum yes. every time now. Yes. Maybe. Um, it was directed by Ken Whittingham, who has directed several episodes prior to this one, and written by Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stupnitsky, who have also written several episodes and will write more. Oh, it's Stupnitsky. Yeah, I think we've been pronouncing it wrong every Stupinsky. time. That's I yeah noticed that when I was writing this outline. All right, and sorry, Gene, made a point to remember. Actually, not sorry. I love messing up names. Yeah, so. we're gonna apologize to Gene, but leave Ken <laughs> Quippy just hanging out in the you know the rafters by himself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking, I tried to do a little bit of research to see if there was a name for what this episode is in reference to a comedy series. Maybe I, maybe this is just something I picked up on or something I made up, but have you noticed that many comedy series, especially if they're family-oriented, will have one episode that has a health scare of some kind and the tone is a little more somber, a little more sad... Oh. And characters will be going over their fears and stuff like that. And then generally, because it's comedy series, you know, the resolution is that it's okay. Right. But it seems like most comedy series I can think of have one episode like this. And only one. Huh. And then that's it. That's fascinating. Yeah. I noticed there's an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where they actually assign a label to it that I didn't know if it was an official industry label. Yeah. Um, where there's an episode where Michael McKean is playing a director whose name evades me at the moment. And he's complaining to Larry that he did an episode like that for a comedy series. So now they only hire him to do those kinds of episodes. And he said all they want him to do is ticker, he calls it. Huh. But he wants to get back to doing the funny. And I don't know, again, if that's an industry term. I asked a mutual friend of ours that's in the industry. He wasn't sure. And that's all I got. Fascinating. I saw, yeah, I saw on TVTropes.com it is known as a sick episode. Yeah. And um, if the, you know, sick plot arc goes poorly, then it could hypothetically become a wham episode for a series that uh, changes something forever or eliminates a character. Wow, really opening up the proverbial kimono for our viewers. Yeah, so... <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was interesting. I just was thinking about that, you know, doing the outline for this episode that uh, I think every comedy series I could think of, even if there's not many episodes, there's usually one episode. And mm -hmm. I mean, they're not even a PSA, really. They don't, you know, try to give people health tips of any kind. No. They just strike an oddly somber tone. And maybe it's a way to, you know, 
a show connects with audiences in multiple ways. Maybe this is just one of those things that, you know, everybody has someone in their life who at some point is going to get seriously ill. Right. So it's just one of those shared experiences that everyone can relate to. It is. And I guess, you know, when it comes to how many stories can human beings tell about human beings, you know, that's one of them. For sure. That falls under, uh, I guess, human versus nature, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, just an interesting little tidbit, I thought. And yeah, I guess you want to move on to episode trivia? Trivia! All right. So, first up, we've got, uh, regarding Jim and Pam's shopping trip, about halfway through the episode, that uh, they are shopping at a Rite Aid pharmacy, but based on the store size, and they are selling thrifty ice cream... And they have a sign in the background, it's a West Coast Rite Aid. Oh. Yeah. East Coast does not sell thrifty ice cream, so... A little continuity error. You screwed the pooch well, this I time. it's not continuity. Office guys. Yeah. It's kind of continuity. Yeah, because they're supposed to be yeah. in Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. So, Jim and Pam uh, really traveled far. <laughs> to get Kevin some treats that day. It's quite the diversion. It's kind of amazing they made it back. Escape, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quick flight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Commuter flight to the West Coast. It took a Concord. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the deleted scenes. So, yeah. They got it. They thought about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so it also, uh, I, I thought that this bit of trivia was pretty noticeable, but maybe it wasn't to some people that Kevin throughout the episode has a small bandaid on the right side of his neck and it indicates he probably had a biopsy of a mole or something similar. Yeah. According to Jenna Fisher, moving on to the next bit of trivia, the writers have been looking for a reason to use Steve Carell's ice skating skills in an episode because he used to play hockey. Hence his excellent, surprisingly excellent ice skating later in the episode. Yes. And uh, it looks like Jenna Fisher actually had learned to ice skate when she did Blades of Glory, but decided that her character in The Office cannot ice skate. Yeah. Which is why Jim had to help her. But that movie came out after this episode, I believe, right? I'm not 100% sure of the dates. But considering production time for movies, you know, even if... It came out a year after this episode. Hypothetically, she could have learned and shot those ice skating scenes for it already. Mm, fair enough. I mean, it did come out in 2007, so it is possible that she had already yeah, filmed it. Yeah. Fascinating. I thought so. Um, we also have a little trivia tidbit that... Michael said before his birthday is March 15th, so we can surmise this episode takes place on March 15th, which is kind of fun considering it aired on March 30th. I like when shows, mm-hmm. you know, kind of keep a real life continuity if they can, right. if it makes sense. Yeah. Um, it looks like the ice skating scenes were filmed at Pickwick Gardens in Burbank, California, for anybody who's looking to recreate their own ice skating experience <laughs> and lives in Burbank. Yes. uh let's see what do we got we've also got that michael says on his 16th birthday he was supposed to go on a date with a girl named julie but she mixed it up with another michael in class and he heard all about it in school the next day but apparently march 15th 1980 which would have been michael's 16th birthday it was a saturday so the next day would have been sunday michael would not have been in school that's it 
I'm done. <laughs> done with the series. Done with the show. Yeah. It's all ruined. You know, if the writers just don't have respect for us as viewers. <laughs> so wait a minute. <laughs> How do we know that Michael was born in 1964? I am assuming that in some episode they specifically reference yeah. his age and I just don't remember. They must have. I Maybe. feel like they do, but I just don't remember. So yeah, also a little tidbit, uh, Michael creates the fake Livestrong bracelet, but in a much earlier episode of Basketball, we saw him wearing a real one, so oh, wow. I guess he lost it somewhere along the lines. He must have. Threw it away. Uh, we also see a return of Night Swept that we find out is Michael's cologne and the hot girl when Ryan finds uh, the almost empty bottle that still has a little bit left in the straw in his car. Which I mistook for Night Sweat. Right. As we were going through. Really, really disgustingly brand (laughs) cologne that Michael uses. (laughs) But yes, I... Nothing gets people going like a bit of night sweat. (laughs) I forgot that it was actually spelled out for us on the box in this episode, so... (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) Um, We also get a little callback in this episode to Oscar and his ice skating when... We see him doing a twirl later in the episode. Uh, it's a callback to when Michael, or not Michael, uh, Dwight catches Oscar playing hooky with Gil. We see one of the things that they're holding is ice skates. That's right. Back from their shopping trip. And yeah, he looks very he looks very graceful on the ice in he this episode. He is very graceful. Yeah. Yeah, it looks almost like a ballerina. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's going for, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. And uh, another little bit of trivia that uh, I found is that... Michael mentions uh, early on in the episode that he has the same birthday as Ava Longoria, and it's a perfect icebreaker if he ever meets Terry Hatcher, since they were co-stars together on Desperate Housewives. Mm. But apparently, it was frequently reported that they did not get along on or off the set at all. And that is a joke that evaded me up until I read this bit of trivia. Oh, yeah. So, I never knew that either. I assume the writers were privy to that information, so used it just to make right. Michael look stupider, you know? He'd bring up the one person that Terry Hatcher would not want to talk about right? as a way to get to know her. Little industry gossip joke. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. So, that's all the trivia we got. Actually, I have one more piece of trivia. Oh, lay it on us. In this episode of Out of Paper, if any of our listeners hear a a slight hum (laughs) below our voices, that's because we have AC running due to a 95-degree day that we are experiencing in the city. And as much as Dan and I, we suffer. We suffer for this show, but we're only going to suffer so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. (laughs) So, yes. Apologies if the sound quality is not up to the standards that you've been used to. Yeah, but we will not tolerate a hot room. No, not going to do it. Nope. Not going to do it. That was a little uh, Dana Carvey. George Bushy. That's what I was going for. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Got to cut me saying that it's like that then, because that's just (laughs) awful. It's a common phrase around my shop. Ah, okay, nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A lot of argumentative people working there, I suppose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so you want to move on to the episode without further ado? Yes, I do. All right, well, you do and I do, so... Let's do. Let's do that voodoo that we do and start with the cold open that we have clipped. So, Phil recruited me to sell these cards, and now I am recruiting you. 
Who is this guy again? Don't worry about Phil. He drives a Corvette. He is doing just fine. Okay. Calling cards are the wave of the future. These things sell themselves. Who uses calling cards anyway? You know what? That's a nice attitude, Ryan. I'm just helping you invest in your future, my friend. It sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme. Yes. Thank you. You will get rich quick. We all will. Didn't you lose a lot of money on that other investment, the one from the email? You know what, Toby? When the son of the deposed king of Nigeria emails you directly asking for help, you help. His father ran the freaking country, okay? All right, so raise your hand if you want to get rich. All right. No, um, how is this not a pyramid scheme? All right, let me explain. Again. <laughs> Phil has recruited me and another guy. Now we are getting three people each. The more people that get involved, the more people who are investing, the more money we're all gonna make. It's not a pyramid scheme. It is a, it's not even a scheme per se. It's... I have to go make a call. <laughs> So for our listeners who uh, obviously can't see the visual cues, uh, the last three squeaks of the marker were Jim getting up and drawing a triangle or a pyramid around the notches that Michael wrote to represent the hierarchical scheme of his new sales pitch. New business (laughs) venture. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One thing I enjoyed going through, I've been uh, having the closed captions on as I watch through episodes. Just oh, so that's smart. I should start doing that too. I really get like every word mm-hmm. of dialogue. And, uh, when Michael, when Jim basically asks Michael how it's not a pyramid scheme and Michael goes, <laughs> Netflix just has in, in brackets, loosens lips. <laughs> I thought that was a really funny way to describe what Michael's doing. Yeah, I don't think I'd agree with their assessment, but yeah. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I would say to describe that sound. I don't know either. Yeah. But loosen, just spell it out phonetically. Loosen's <laughs> lips is not, yeah. Loosen lips is not something I would say. No. <laughs> it's an odd one. Yeah. And um, I also jotted down some notes about the scene that I found entertaining that uh, while Michael's giving his sales pitch, most people are looking bored. Dwight, however, is taking very diligent notes on a notepad. Mm-hmm. Everything Michael says. Creed is examining the readout in the back of the room, and Stanley <laughs> is just doing crossword puzzles and then taking brief breaks to stare up at Michael in disbelief <laughs> of his idiocy at points. <laughs> yeah, the the main point being when Michael's talking about the Prince of Nigeria. <laughs> yeah, the deposed he, Prince of Nigeria. <laughs> that he helped out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that is the cold open for the episode. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Phil drives a Corvette, okay? He's doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, I love that, of course, Michael gets taken in by that. I know, right? The classic uh, phony salesman tactic. <laughs> right. Anybody could rent a Corvette for a day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, moving on from the cold open, we start the episode with a shot of Michael walking in to start the day, and we see that he is holding a large bag that has a pink box in it, in addition to his normal, I guess, briefcase? Yes. Uh, he walks up to Pam's desk, he gives it a little rap with his fist, and is very delighted when she wishes him a happy birthday, along with handing him uh, some messages that he has. Yes. He... 
I like that he leans in after she says happy birthday and says, what's that? With a giant smile. <laughs> of course, hearing her. Yeah, right. And uh, she projects it loudly, not to him, but to everybody. To everybody in the office. Yeah. And uh, that's clearly what he was going for. Yes, of course. And I like that we also see a shot of uh, Ryan <laughs> receiving this announcement and looking kind of nervous. Yeah, he knows what's in store for him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not exactly, but he's got an idea of what hell Michael's about to put him through. He does, and we honestly don't see that much of the hell that he puts Ryan through specifically, but uh, we could surmise. Yeah, from what there's, we do see. there's certain scene. There was a deleted scene specifically that I found right pretty funny, but uh, one scene we're about to get to, I'll point out Ryan being subjected to Michael's birthday madness. We can point out the deleted scene now, since it probably takes place in between this and that yeah yeah yeah, it's true uh what what was ryan helping michael do he was tying a birthday foil balloon to each of the armrests of michael's computer chair and michael says don't worry ryan you don't have to get anything for my birthday (laughs) ryan's like okay i won't he doesn't say it like that though he says yeah i won't (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh yeah and then he tells michael he thinks he's gonna go right Michael disagrees. No, I think you're going to stay. You're going to stay. <laughs> and then he just stands there awkwardly. And... Yeah. Just... <laughs> and Michael has nothing to say to him oh, either. No. He just smiles at the camera, knowing that now he has Ryan trapped standing behind his desk. Yes. Because Doffit is his birthday. Doffit is his birthday. <laughs> and uh, speaking of the real context for that line, um, well, before we get to that, we get a talking head of Michael's explaining that it's his birthday and the people around the office just go crazy for it. He doesn't know why. And, uh, over this line, we see a shot of Phyllis and Oscar just sitting there quietly working. Yeah. Yep. Normal. Just every, any other day in the office. Mm-hmm. When we see Jim later, if anything, he looks more bored than usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is when Michael then brings up the, uh, fun fact of sharing his birthday with Ava Longoria. Mm-hmm. So we just move on past there. And yeah, from here we see Michael back at Pam's desk. He asks if she's excited. And she... <laughs> yeah, I love her reactions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she tries. Not bit. very hard, no. but she tries. Yeah. Michael doesn't notice. Asks if everyone's freaking out. She rolls her eyes and gives him a very enthusiastic... Mm-hmm. <laughs> He acts, though, like that's a very genuine, emphatic yes. And uh, then we get the shot of Jim sitting there looking more bored than maybe he's ever been his entire life, <laughs> staring at his computer. Yeah. Next up, we see Kevin enter the office. He walks past Michael, and Michael calls him out for being late, but says he forgives him because, doff, it is his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it seems like Kevin tries to kind of get out an excuse as he's going past him and says, thanks, you know, it's, and Michael just cuts him off. Yeah. Yeah. So from here we get a talking head of Jim where he is explaining that Michael's birthday is actually pretty fun to watch. Michael gets very excited. He eats a lot of cake. He runs around the office and then he has a sugar crash in the afternoon. And that's when everyone gets some work done for the day. (laughs) Naps at his desk. Yep. It's like Phyllis explains uh, when the new employees start. You know, they find little times throughout the day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So from here we move on to the break room where we see Kevin is sitting at a table drinking grape soda, looking very nervous and uh, kind of breathing heavily with a just kind of a the way people breathe and they're a little panicked. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's in there by himself. He's drinking his grape soda and he's sitting at a table just looking at the wall. Yeah, you know, just he's not a happy camper. Obviously preoccupied. And uh, we see Meredith uh, check on him. We see her from behind, and she asks if he's heard anything yet. He says he's still waiting, and we see that she, you know, kind of reaches down and rubs his shoulder. Yeah. Supportively. Yeah. Supportingly. Supportively is not a word. <laughs> and uh, from here, we move back into Michael's office, where we have a clip of him and Dwight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there he is, the birthday boy. Oh, God. Birthday hug. No, 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 no. New suit, please. That suit is amazing. Thank you very much. It is from Italy. Actually, Bulgaria. Mm. So Maybe I should get one. Good luck. One of a kind. eBay. <laughs> Question. Uh, may I be in charge of the party planning festivities? Not necessary. The party planning committee is all over it. They've been working 24-7 all day yesterday. Excellent. On my part, I did manage to reserve the... Don't! No. Please don't want to spoil it for anybody. Spoil the surprise. Let's get the party started. Let's get the party started. Not the way I taught you. <laughs> I always love Michael's little like tunes that he hums as he's doing like a victory dance or what he was just doing raising the roof there. Yeah. So funny. And we saw in the deleted scene he uh had some lyrics to go with it. Well, not his own lyrics. Oh yeah, it wasn't his own lyrics. It was my humps. Oh my humps, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure why they cut that. It would have been fun to leave that in. It would have. But, uh, who are we to question them? Uh, so yeah, from here we move on to the conference room. We see Pam, Phyllis, and Angela having a party planning committee meeting. Uh, Phyllis asks when they should start the party, 1 or one thirty. Pam says, 1 sounds good, and Angela immediately suggests, no, one thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Only because Pam suggested 1. Yeah, I feel like if Pam said one thirty sounds good, she would have for sure said no. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, Pam rolls her eyes and yawns at that, which uh, seems to really offend Angela. I'm sorry, are we boring you? (laughs) And it looks like Pam is about to start to say something, but Dwight enters Mm -hmm. and cuts her off, announcing that Michael wants strict candles for his cake, so make that a priority. Phyllis asks where they're supposed to get them, and Dwight says... Not my not, problem. Yeah, not his problem. <laughs> Very quickly, too. Like, he's just ready to move on to the next thing already. Right. Yeah. And I have to say, at first, uh, when I was writing this outline, I was kind of chuckling at Dwight's dismissiveness of Phyllis. And then I got to thinking, you know, Phyllis works in an office as a salesperson, and all she's doing so far today is planning Michael's birthday party... Is it really that much more work for her to figure out where to get shirt candles? No. <laughs> I mean, she barely has anything to do. Right. I, I mean, yeah. A, most grocery stores are going to have them, even in 2005, 2006. Right. B, I guarantee Scranton has a party supply store somewhere where they would definitely be. And if you're on the party planning committee, you probably know where that store is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, my only reason for bringing it up was I feel like I generally, in any interactions with Dwight and anybody, 
assume Dwight's the one who's acting unreasonably, but this is a rare instance where <laughs> he's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, enough. at least not in this one very specific small regard. Right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, from here he proceeds to hand Pam a list of things that Michael wants to be surprised by. And Pam glances down at the list and says, uh, Michael wants a stripper, Graham? <laughs> yeah. And Dwight confirms, but he says that uh, Michael doesn't want to know when or whom. <laughs> as he kind of raises his eyebrows at Pam. <laughs> yes. And Angela decides... Enough is enough, tells Dwight this is a closed-door meeting, and stares him down, and immediately Dwight falls silent. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he stares back to make a stand, but mm-hmm. I felt like it was pretty clear from the get-go that uh, he's not winning this standoff. I mean, if you're hungry for cookie, you gotta pick your battles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We still might not get it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dwight basically just turns and silently leaves the room. And yeah, even though Pam knows of their relationships, she still looks a little taken aback at Angela's complete domination of Dwight. Right. I think that's what took her. <laughs> yeah, just the level that, yeah. of power that Angela has over him. Yes. You know, despite her knowing why. Right. I, I like that as she, and it looks like Phyllis also turns, we only see her from behind, but they both turn to look at Angela. And Angela is just staring just looks so irritated and just exasperated just staring out the door like after dwight Mm -hmm. and uh well i mean it's probably also the fact that she's been planning this party and now all of a sudden the idea of a stripper is being thrown into the mix and that offends her very being yeah there's that just the idea of a stripper so well yeah more the reason i thought to bring that up was uh more than why Angela was doing it specifically just to bring up that, uh, I feel like if this was Angela of even maybe let's say five to 10 episodes ago, she would have immediately tried to cover in some way for why she and Dwight were communicating like this. I feel like it's true. Even though she still clearly isn't comfortable and even well beyond this with making their relationship public, it kind of strikes me that at this point it like she and Dwight are both barely trying to hide this. Like they're, Putting in the most minimal effort ever that anybody who even glanced at them for half a second would see through. I think just the idea that their relationship is a secret is a little bit of a fetish for her. Well, yeah. I mean, that makes it hotter for anybody. Yeah, it's true. From here, we come back to Michael's office where we have yet another clip. A lot of clips in this episode because so much of it's just feel like we can't do it justice. So Pre- might as well Prepare yourself. It. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Michael, I have Jan on the line. Oh, great. Put her through. Hello, Michael. Hey, you. I'm returning your call. You said it was urgent? It is urgent. I just wanted to call and wish you a happy birthday. Well, today's not my birthday, so... Really? Because I thought we had the same birthday. Happy birthday, Michael. Thanks. Am I on camera? Nope. Totally private. And say whatever is in your heart. You can take a five if you want. (laughs) And that was Ryan he was referring to there at the end. Yeah, I like that he has Ryan sitting at his desk for this. (laughs) To show off somehow. 
I mean, without the deleted scene, it's almost like Ryan's in there specifically for this because he called Jan. Yeah. I mean, I think he is. I think he's trying to show off his relationship with Jan. Yeah. And as soon as she, as soon as she hangs up, you can see that he's very embarrassed and just dismisses Ryan. And I think we can assume their last interaction was her kissing him as he got into an elevator on oh, Valentine's yeah. Day. Oh, yeah. So. He was hoping for a little more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, considering he didn't even get a happy birthday without forcing the issue. It's true. <laughs> if he were smart in relationships, he would realize that he has the upper hand now and should wait for her to make the next move. Yeah, I don't think Michael's smart in anything. No, of course not. <laughs> Um, so yeah, moving on from here, we see Michael in the kitchen now where he sets up next to the refrigerator with a box of donuts. He, he puts the box down on the counter. He, what does he do? He uh, opens the lid and he sets himself up. He waits to see if someone's coming. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's covering. He's like <laughs> checking back at both entrances to the mm-hmm. conference or the break room. And then he, he poses so that he... Has his hand wrapped around the handle of the coffee pot as the door opens, so it looks like he's they caught him, you know, mid grabbing a cup of coffee. Yes, it's so good. And uh, it is Stanley, and he is very excited to see Stanley. He springs into action, and he says, "Hey, somebody brought in donuts for my birthday." And Stanley looks up at him and says, "Oh, happy birthday!" Happy birthday! And grabs a donut. <laughs> And leaves. <laughs> and uh, Michael still looks pretty pleased. And he he closes the box, I think, and he sets it up. It sets up everything the same way. Right. Just ready to go for the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, from here we move back to Kevin. We see him now talking to Jim, who's telling Kevin how sorry he is to hear. And ask Kevin when he's going to find out. Kevin says later this afternoon they're going to get back to him with a second opinion. And uh, at this point, Kelly walks over and interrupts and asks, what's the second opinion about? And Kevin informs her that uh, the doctors say he might have skin cancer. Mm-hmm. And Kelly responds, you know, oh my God. And she immediately brings up that she once saw an episode of Grey's Anatomy where there's a lifeguard that also had skin cancer. <laughs> and Jim pretty much shuts her up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, another funny bit of trivia that I actually found earlier today and decided mm-hmm. I'd bring it up now instead of adding it to the trivia section. Uh, apparently, there is no episode of Grey's Anatomy that involves a lifeguard with skin cancer. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fun little tidbit. Yeah. And uh, from here, we have a talking head with Kelly, and we have a clip, a very brief clip. I never really thought about death until Princess Diana died. That was the saddest funeral ever. That and my sisters. Short and to the point. <laughs> it's funny. It's such a short talking head. And that last little bit she delivers with even less emotion than her talking about Princess Dies. Well, death. it was less emotional to her. Yeah. And I never really put a whole lot of thought really? into that comment until this time around. I'm just like, wow, that's really dark. Yeah, very dark <laughs> and very telling of Kelly. It is, and it's uh, it's an interesting phenomenon mm-hmm. putting more emotional uh, importance on you know fictitious relationships of people that you'll never meet. It's almost as if she had to sit there and think about it, and only added that last tidbit in as to 
not feel guilty or not or realizing that this is going to air at some point and her family's probably going to see it. Ha! I had a different interpretation okay. of why it was broken up that way. All right. I like yours though. Yeah. But mine was that she brought up Princess Diana as being the saddest death she's ever experienced and that prompted her to remember that her sister also died. And she hadn't even thought of that up until she brought up Princess Diana. I was like, oh, yeah. And my sister. And my sister died. also. That was, like, pretty bad, I guess. Oh, man. That's <laughs> true. That's funny. <laughs> that, you know, if you if you go to Kelly Poore and say, those tragic deaths in your life, you know, she might not even think of her sister, but she'll definitely think of Princess Di. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Good little Kelly scene. Yeah. And, yeah, just very telling about her in ten seconds. Yes. So yeah, from here we cut back to Michael in the kitchen, and Toby now is the one who comes in. <laughs> uh, who brought in donuts? Somebody got donuts for my birthday. Oh, happy birthday! You didn't know it was my birthday. Oh, I, I guess I forgot. Well, I guess I forgot to give you a donut. Uh, are you you serious? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's hilarious about this scene to me is that... Of all the people who have wished Michael a happy birthday up to this point, it's been very, like, humdrum. <laughs> By far, Toby's the only genuine. Toby was <laughs> genuinely genuinely excited for Michael that it was his birthday, and Michael just shuts him out. It was so friendly and so genuine. It really was. By far the most heartfelt happy birthday he got all day. <laughs> <laughs> And then he expects Toby to, you know, he the guy that he torments and tortures every day to remember his birthday. Exactly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and I like that, yeah, as, uh, as Michael says, he's not going to give him a donut. He closes the donut box and then waits <laughs> yeah. until Toby slinks out of the room, looks around the corner to make sure Toby's gone, and then he opens the box again and oh, waits for the next person. Oh, my God. <laughs> Awful. Yep. Poor Toby. <laughs> um from here we cut over to accounting and we see now oscar is talking to kevin telling him that skin cancer is treatable he's gonna be okay and angela standing over kevin's shoulder immediately tells oscar he doesn't know it's gonna be okay don't give him false hope <laughs> and kevin looks up with just the saddest look just very I, it's not even like a sad look. It's just a shocked look of just how could you, right, be saying this? Yeah. And it, I, I think it's maybe the only time in the entire series I was thinking about it. Maybe I'm wrong that we see someone break Angela's emotional armor. Yeah, I don't think it ever happens again. That's unless good, it's already broken from the get go. It's a good point. <laughs> I mean, she did say something. It, at least in Kevin's head right now, this is life or death. Right. Yeah, no. The thing she said was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he looks up at her, and she looks down and immediately realizes what she said and what that means. Yeah. And says, it's probably nothing. And tries to give a little <laughs> smile. It's such a fake little smile. Just I, I feel like it's, yeah, not even that it wasn't a genuine smile, but just yeah. it's so sheepish. Yeah. And just embarrassed and just, like, she That's, just feels horrible right. about, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't think Angela is a bad person or a soulless person, but I think she reacts with a lot of harshness at times. I mean, we even see later in the series yeah. with Oscar mm -hmm. when he gets outed 
and Angela reacts very badly to it on the day of, and they almost come to like get into like a physical altercation. Oh yeah. And then when Oscar comes back, Angela breaks down in tears trying to apologize to him for the way that she behaved. Right. So yeah, I think she's uh she's got a very toughened exterior. She does. A little bit of jelly inside. She has high standards for herself and she holds everybody else to those standards. Including being realistic about the truth of science in a medical emergency. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's just, it's just says a lot about her. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no good. And, uh, from here we cut back to the front of the office where we see someone is coming in. Someone we've not seen before. A woman who appears to be dressed like a delivery driver. And we've got a clip. Hi. Delivery for Michael Scott. Here we go. Oh, okay, this is great. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. She is perfect. Ah, Dwight, may I have your chair, please? And um, some singles, if you will. All right. <laughs> Dink. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. This has arms. Is that going to be a... Is that all right? Uh, sh- sure. <laughs> okay. I'm so nervous. I can sign for it. Oh, thanks. When I was seven, my mother hired a pony and a cart to come to my house for all the kids. And I got a really bad rash from the pony. And all the kids got to ride the pony, and I had to go inside, and my mother was rubbing cream on me for probably three hours, and I never came outside. And by the time I got out, the pony was already in the truck and around the corner. So that was my worst birthday. (laughs) Um, So yeah, for our listeners who uh, the visual components are not immediately apparent for in the beginning of the scene, uh, a delivery woman comes in and has a package for the office, and Michael mistakes her for his strippogram. Which is hilarious, because she's wearing a hat, her hair is flat, she's not wearing makeup, her her clothes are baggy. No, she looks nothing like a stripper in no, any capacity. absolutely not. I mean, she's not an unattractive woman, no. I'll say that, but she is not she's dressed not, to yeah. strip. You're right. <laughs> not at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, oh man, that little sound effect as he puts the dollar bill in her... Her shirt pocket. Her shirt I think. pocket. It's, it's like a polo shirt with a pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Dink. She's very confused. Oh, <laughs> she man. takes it in stride. She does. I would be. I would be weirded out. Yeah. I mean, she's a little weirded out, but that's true. She's a delivery person. I'm sure she's seen worse. Michael did a really good job, or rather I should say Steve Carell did a really good job acting like he was nervous about a lap dance that he was about to get. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed his performance where he's just really, really getting everything hyped up in his head. You ask her if the chair having arms <laughs> yeah, is going to be a problem. problem. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, it was great. No and he looks. What the hell he's talking about. I love how quickly he snaps back to reality as soon as Pam says, "I can sign for it." Just the pony incident all over again. Yeah, 
Oh, and the pony incident. Also, yeah, talking about that that talking head at the end. Three hours of cream rubbing? Oh, that's a hell of an allergic reaction. Terrible. <laughs> How old did he say he was? Seven? I think so. Oh, man. So I like that, considering it's Michael Scott and that he was seven, we mm-hmm. can probably surmise that it was more like 20 minutes, maybe. He had to have some kind of... You're probably right. ...allergy cream rubbed on him and I never, just left with the pony. I never thought about that. Yeah, I mean, how could... You can, you can cover an entire seven-year-old's body with cream, like, hundreds of times in the span of three hours. You know, seven-year-olds are not that big. That's true. <laughs> and when you're younger... When you're doing something that you don't like, it does feel like it's dragging on forever. Right. Yeah. Of course. That's yeah. funny. I never thought about that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's just Michael, you know, he just, his very childlike way of looking at the world. Even to this day, I feel like it would never occur to the adult him that that was anything less than three hours. You're right. It's, yeah. It's still how he perceives the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um... Now we see Michael is now back in his office, and he is cramming donuts into his face from the open donut box that he brought. Oh, yes. And this is actually, uh, it's not really addressed in this episode or in this scene, besides that he's doing it. Uh-huh. But this is the first we see of a trend with Michael, where when things spiral emotionally for him, he does get very... Turns to food. Yeah, and in a very physically self-destructive way with food, specifically. Yeah. Of uh, sitting in the break room, you know, with them coming in. You know, Michael, you're eating ice cream. It's 10.30 a.m. You know, we're out of ice creams. This is mayonnaise and black olives. And <laughs> keeps eating spoonfuls as he's commiserating about how disgusting it is. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, as Michael is eating the donuts this time, Dwight is standing right in his face, maybe about a foot away, playing... The recorder, very loudly. Yes. And uh, after a little while of him playing, Michael yells at him to stop and asks what it is that he's playing, and Dwight informs him it's uh, For the Longest Time by William Joel. It's your favorite song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when it's on the radio. <laughs> I'll also, it's it's hilarious. I mean, we, we talked about Michael stuffing his face with donuts, but uh-huh. when he tells Dwight to stop, he's doing it with, a mouth full of donuts. Right. <laughs> and and I'm pretty sure right after that, he says, my birthday blows. <laughs> oh, he spits donuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it makes it so much funnier when, when his mouth is full of food. It really does. That's oh, great. I also like, I mean, maybe I'm out of the loop on this one, but I don't know who has ever referred to Billy Joel as William Joel besides Dwight in this one scene. Yeah, no, I don't. Maybe his mother. Right. When he was a child. I think that's just, you know, Dwight always wants to call people by their formal name. I'm honestly surprised he doesn't call Jim James more often. Or at least Jimothy. Jimothy. (laughs) Yes. That sounds weird. Is Jim okay? (laughs) Um, so yeah, Michael's birthday blows, as you said, and, uh, he complains to Dwight that nobody signed his birthday poster, which I noticed, uh, funny enough, uh, re-listening to, I think, it, I'm not sure if it was our last episode, but one of our recent episodes, mm-hmm. we brought up, uh, the notion of whether or not Michael's hairline was supposed to have be retconned as Fuller into the past right based off this episode no it's not because this is a giant blurry picture of season one michael where you can visibly see his you know receding hairline in the front and his weight gain 
and the, compared we, to now. It's funny because they use this picture for him multiple times throughout the series. Right. It's literally probably the worst picture they could find of Steve Carell from this era. For any fans of Impractical Jokers, it makes me think of the picture of Sal Vicano that they used <laughs> to torment him throughout the series. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Just like... His eyes look puffy, like all of the wrinkles and like curves of his face are like very highlighted. He's got the he's got the awkward hairline because of his thinning hair. And he looks like he's in the middle of yelling at somebody oh, in the yeah. picture too. He's right. not smiling at all. <laughs> no. It's a really <laughs> horrible picture. It's hilarious to think that he printed this out himself to use as his birthday On poster. a giant piece of poster board yeah. and it is such a fuzzy low resolution picture too. <laughs> yeah. Also worth pointing out that he says no one has signed his birthday poster and when it shows the birthday poster, it very clearly shows that Dwight had signed it. Right. <laughs> Only Dwight. <laughs> Only though. Dwight. Yeah, that's true. Yep. <laughs> In addition to that, his mother is the only person that cared enough to send him anything. <laughs> but Dwight's quick to point out he probably cares more than she does. And uh, Michael tells him he's just making it worse. And then he points to a blacklight felt framed that he has of James Dean yes. smoking a cigarette in front of a car. It says he bets Luke Perry's friends never treated him so poorly. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I will, I will hand it to Michael. I had free, frozen it on that shot and was looking at it. And, uh, yeah, Luke Perry does look a lot like, well, did now, unfortunately. Rest right. in peace, Luke Perry. He looked a lot like James Dean. He does. He did, yeah. yeah. So I get Michael's confusion. Although I also want to bring up, uh, did, why, what were you going to say? Do you think Michael bought that poster thinking it was Luke Perry? Clearly, because he thinks it's Luke Perry <laughs> I mean, now. It's so that's true. what I was just about to bring up. Why did Michael uh, buy a felt blacklight picture of luke perry like what what made him such a giant luke perry fan specifically that's so funny yeah i mean not to say there's anything wrong with liking luke perry but no for michael's age what drew him specifically to luke perry yeah you know if he was a younger girl with a crush it would make a lot more sense exactly (laughs) that's great um so yeah, now we cut to the break room where we see Pam is asking Jim when Kevin is supposed to hear back about his diagnosis, and, you know, Jim tells her, she says, poor Kev. And in a talking head of Pam, she talks about what she would do if she found out she had a week to live. And she says she would go to Europe, and South America, <laughs> and the Grand Canyon, and she wants to see the Pacific Ocean. So it would be a pretty busy week. That it would. Yeah. We see Dwight is now on a sales call at his desk, and I love that he is so slouched. He is reclined more than I've seen anybody in the show so far. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. He has leaned so far back in his chair, he's almost lying down. I, hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I feel like of all the people in that office, Dwight, especially on a sales call, would be laser-focused and... Right. At the ready at his computer to get any information the client needs. Although the same breath, it may be a client that he doesn't care about and a client that he knows is going to buy from them anyway. So he doesn't, This it's just like a minimum effort, low maintenance client. Yeah. Well, second point being one way or the other, we could see the first point's true when uh, 
Dwight's wristwatch alarm rings and he hangs up on the client mid-sentence. Mid his own sentence. He's just talking about yeah. something on back order and then all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> conversation over. Yep. <laughs> Cuts off uh, himself, hangs up the phone and runs to Michael's office. Calls him out of the office uh, and announces to everybody that it is now 11.23 exactly the moment that Michael emerged from his mother's vaginal canal <laughs> and starts clapping for Michael, trying to start up a clap, which nobody joins. Yeah, nobody partakes in it. Uh, so from here, he directs Michael to take a seated chair he has sitting in the middle of the room and explains there's a tradition that the Hebrews have of hoisting the birthday boy up on the chair. Um, so he summons the men of the office to help. With Michael's birth moment, uh, first he calls Kevin, and this is as Ryan, or as Michael is sitting in a chair, uh, or, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, sorry. That's fine. He calls up Kevin, and we see Kevin is getting a back massage from Meredith, and just, you know, still looks very scared and distracted. Oscar is sitting at his desk, but when Dwight calls Kevin, Oscar stands up and immediately just says he'll do it. And yeah, we see that uh, Michael, this is what I was getting to too early, is sitting down in the chair at this point and he's saying, no, 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 Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Calls Ryan up in the middle of his protests to join in. (laughs) And uh, yeah, Dwight calls up Creed and we see him get up and come out. And uh, then we cut to Jim and Pam who are still in the break room watching from the window. And Pam says she wishes they can go out and get something for Kevin. And Jim does too, but says they would need a distraction, you know, somebody to cause a diversion. And then he smiles out at what's happening, and Pam smiles up at him. Uh, back in the main office space, we see Dwight get right up close to Michael's face and wish him a happy birth moment. And then they all pick up the chair to hoist him up, and they hoist his head right into a ceiling panel. <laughs> I love how... Into the ceiling. I love how, like genuine and endearing Dwight's being to Michael when he says happy birth moment, Michael. It's very genuine. Yeah. And Michael seems genuinely, you know, appreciative that Dwight, you know, is being enthusiastic. About yeah. His birthday. yeah. It's lifting his spirits as well as his body. <laughs> exactly. Just like the Hebrew tradition. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like don't, did they end up putting this clip in the intro to the show? It is maybe in the later seasons intro. I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Not, not not this one or or the ones in season 2 in general, but I do remember it is definitively in the advertisements that we see in the office for the documentary when it's going to be airing. Oh, uh, we see is them all shoving Michael into the ceiling. That could be. It's just one of those it's just one of those moments of the show that's like burned into my memory. Yeah. Just it's it's what's, an iconic image. What's so awkward about it is when Michael hits the ceiling, his back kind of arches and like the chair is leaning forward slightly and he's like trying to keep his balance on the chair too. And I just, every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, that looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. He's like, put me down, put me down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he arches his neck weirdly because his head is just straight up inside the ceiling oh, at first. No, I get it. get it out of there. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's It just looks very <laughs> uncomfortable. It does. And I love how... When he hits the panel, he, you know, he makes a big deal, like, whoa, 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 be careful, guys. (laughs) You hear Dwight go, yeah, Oscar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oscar's like, it wasn't me. (laughs) Oh, 
that's good. It was all of them together. Interdepartmental conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, clearly that goes about as well as one can expect. I think that that was right before a commercial break, and when we get back into the episode, uh, we now see that there is another delivery coming to the office, and we have yet another clip. Okay, that is not an eight-foot sub. Uh, we don't make an eight-foot sub. This is eight one-foot subs. F. All right, what's the damage? Uh, thirty-nine sixty. Thirty-nine. Sixty. Why tip someone for a job I'm capable of doing myself? I can deliver food. I can drive a taxi. I can and do cut my own hair. I did, however, tip my urologist because I am unable to pulverize my own kidney stones. Here they come. Get in here. Come and get it. Everybody. Woohoo. Birthday party subs. My gift to you. What is this? Uh, bologna, tomato, and ketchup. The best. These are all the same. Yes. Bologna? I don't eat bologna. Well, they just have the tomato and ketchup. Still good. No. Just the bread. It's fresh baked. No. Get whatever you want. Choke on it. When I was 16, I was supposed to go out on a date with a girl named Julie. But there was another Michael in the class that she apparently thought the date was with. So she went out with him on my birthday. And she got him a cake at the restaurant. And it wasn't even his birthday. But I heard about it the next day in school. So that was the worst birthday I think I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know that trivia question pointed out that on his birthday in 1980, the next day would have been a Sunday. Uh huh. But I mean, you know, Michael might not remember it that way, considering that was 26 years ago. Yeah. Standard Michael hyperbole. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it was just pointing out an inconsistency in what he was saying, not so much, yeah, you know, that I mean, they messed up or something. I guess it is a fun little tidbit to know. Yeah. But I, 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 I don't see it as the writers screwing up. It's more just... Well, let's know, just Michael. cut it, man. Stop the show! Stop it! <laughs> no. But no, I feel you. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it makes more sense that he just wouldn't remember exactly. Right. I mean, the whole story doesn't make any sense. How would someone go on a date with someone that he asked out thinking it was someone else on his birthday? Well... And it was his birthday. I mean, the way I envision it is that in a classroom setting, you're, like, passing notes around oh, class. Oh, so he had... And you pass a note that says, hey, it's Michael, will you go out with me on oh, Saturday for my birthday, yes or no? Circle it and then hand it back or whatever, which right. is, yeah... But they still had to coordinate the date. Well, maybe she circled yes. Maybe the date was already coordinated oh, in the note. the note. She circled yes, yeah. thinking it was the other Michael. And then... It when, could be. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking Michael never had a date with this girl, except for in an imaginary sense. <laughs> yeah. That's my take. You're probably right. <laughs> he probably just thought he did from some... He interpreted some exchange they had and took her... Her response is completely out of context or something. Yeah. Or something. Who knows? Or something. Either way, yeah, it's fun. 
Okay, so bologna, man, or bologna, tomato, and ketchup. The best. The best. <laughs> that is probably the most disgusting sandwich I could think of. I could think of one more disgusting sandwich. Let's hear it. Once I had a dream, and in that dream I made a tuna fish and peanut butter sandwich. And in that dream, it tasted delicious. <laughs> but in real life, <laughs> it's a disgusting sandwich. <laughs> So I raise you peanut butter and tuna fish yeah. because if even Michael Scott, whose favorite sandwich is bologna, tomato, and ketchup, cannot stomach a peanut butter tuna fish sandwich, <laughs> it's got to be horrible. <laughs> huh. But it's a close second. And uh, yeah, that sounds awful. There have been points in yeah. my life where I've wanted out of mild curiosity and just being a fan of this show to the point where it's ridiculous, want to try... Like a fresh baked, not even a sandwich I make at home, like from a sub place, like a fresh baked right. tomato, ketchup, and bologna, and that's it. Sub. <laughs> oh. And ultimately, I don't think I'm ever going to do it, because I just don't want to waste that money on a sandwich that I know I'm not going to eat. Not only There's that, no way. what would the person making this sandwich think of you? They'd probably judge you pretty harshly, unless <laughs> oh, you go yeah. to Subway, in which case, from what I've seen online, they've seen so much worse. I believe it. <laughs> Seems some people go into Subway and request some truly horrific creations. <laughs> so that'd probably be refreshing for them. But yeah, anywhere else, it sounds pretty rough. Yeah. I will also say I've noticed uh, in multiple watch-throughs of the series that it tracks that there's uh, a scene much later. I don't remember 100% of the context. Oh, it's where Michael wants to uh, eat lunch with his employees after the whole Michael Scott paper company thing is resolved. Right. Because he used to eat lunch with them and he loved it with Pam and Ryan. And uh, they declined to eat lunch with him. So we see a shot of him at his desk saying if he's going to have to eat alone, then it might as well be dinner. And he pulls out a sandwich wrapped in you know plastic wrap and mm -hmm. unwraps it. And you can see, not fully, but that you can see for sticking out from the side is a blob of ketchup and some bologna. So, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he sticks with what he likes. <laughs> I love it when shows do that. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're saying you wouldn't try it either? Doesn't sound good? Uh, I would try it. Let's go out to the store after this. Pump it up to number one on the list of... <laughs> Office-related things we're going to do. I'll make some of my signature ciabatta. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Think of no finer use for... <laughs> I was just going to say... Delicious homemade bread. Just the amount of effort that goes into <laughs> making that, and then to just completely ruin it with ketchup and tomato and bologna. It's kind of hard to stomach that. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a ridiculous choice of sandwich. That's hilarious. Also, <laughs> we need to bring up Dwight tipping his urologist. Yeah. It's funny to me that he views just how he views tipping in general. Right. You it's know? something you do for someone you can't do for yourself. Right. Versus here's this person who went to great effort to get me my food and they're probably making minimum wage so even just two dollars is going to make a significant difference in their life versus right. a urologist who's probably paid you can imagine Great. over 100k a year at least and what kind of tip does dwight give his urologist that the urologist like what amount would it have to be that a urologist would be like oh thank you 
What amount? I mean, would a urologist even take a tip? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like Dwight successfully tipped him, so... I feel like if I was at my doctor's office and the next time I went in at the end of the exam, I said, oh, by the way, this is for you, and tried to hand him some cash... I, I don't know how that interaction would go, but I highly doubt it would end with him walking out of the room with my money. You're right. <laughs> be more of... You definitely get a look of bewilderment. Yeah. Bewilderment slash maybe slightly insulted. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> maybe Dwight just left some uh, some money on the corner of his exam table, you know, classy-like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just slipped it under that paper <laughs> they put on the... Uh, the examining bed or whatever you call it just slips some under there. So when they change the paper, they yeah, whoever's changing the paper is just like, oh, I think like forty bucks fell out of that guy's wallet. Yeah, he was in here before getting kidney stones pulverized. Right, that's hilarious. <laughs> Not forty bucks now. <laughs> have you ever had a kidney stone? I have not, neither, but they sound horrible. From the, uh, friends of ours that have had them. Yes, my yeah. manager had to go through quite a medical procedure to address his kidney stones and it sounded awful ouch yeah yeah let's let's not even go into it yeah let's just move right on moving on moving on to the right aid we have got fat jim <laughs> and pam <laughs> so funny calling them that <laughs> i enjoy it and uh they are pushing a shopping cart towards the camera and explaining that they got kevin a bunch of stuff what do they get him they get him a party pack of m&ms his favorite candy dvd of american pie 2 his favorite movie and since he lent it to creed he will never get it back and uh 69 cup of noodles which we realize sounds crass but it is his favorite number and his favorite lunch. Yes. I also uh, want to just take not too long on this, but just a second to consider, even without the night swept or sweat, depending on your interpretation, Yes. being added to this, this is a pretty big grocery bill they just racked up for Kevin for a day of treats. I mean, granted, he's really going through something, but 69 cup of noodles has got to set you back at least 30 or 40 bucks. I mean, they're cheap, but yeah, they're not like ten cents cheap. No, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were more than seventy-five cents. That's true. In a store, although drug stores like that do tend to upcharge a lot. Drug stores, up. drug stores are not cheap places to get food. I uh, I can also say that I did more research than necessary thinking about this on my own. And uh, on Amazon. Says, says the guy who wants to spend just a second on this. Yeah. Well, now two seconds. Okay. On Amazon, a 24-pack of cup of noodles of uh, uh-huh. the standard generic chicken flavor. Uh-huh. I think it runs you about uh, $18.99. Okay. And that's for 24 so. So 75 cents isn't that yeah, far off. It's about 75 But yeah. that's still, they spent, like, you know, it's more than 50 bucks on cup of noodles for Kevin. I would imagine they're very much taking their time and enjoying each other's company. I mean, because... I mean, lo- they flew to California, so... They, they did. Clearly. And they're also <laughs> going up and down every aisle of a drugstore. So it's like, you know... Oh, have you been to Rite Aid? I mean, pr- probably. Oh, okay. It's pretty big. It's who I use as my pharmacy, so I just, you know, having... I mean, I feel like... And I got candy honestly, right a movie the other day. I went to... A, there was a Rite Aid I used to work by downtown, and it was not big. Oh. So okay. I think it's just like any other drugstore where it's just like... Depends. Yeah. 
Well, it looks like the one they're in is pretty big. It's true. Yeah. Still, I mean, if you go in there and you know you're getting something for Kevin, you're not going to walk up and down every aisle. Well, if you want to spend time with the person that you're well, into that's my point. and you want to not go back to work. That's, yeah, that's yeah. What I can I was... say from my past experience of being sent away from my job to do things and then come back, <laughs> I definitely would drag those periods of time out. Oh. Yeah. Maybe even get a drink at a local bar in my college days of doing that. Nice. Yeah. Well, not for my employer, but it was for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything because people I work with listen to this. Oh. As long as it's not about this job. <laughs> Yeah, we cut back from the Rite Aid to the office, and we get another look inside the break room where we have yet another clip. Hey, Temp, you know, uh, we still got five feet of sandwich left. Someone ate three feet of that thing? Hell yeah. Save room for ice cream cake. Thank you. Oh, I got it. It's the party planning committee. This is the most important day of the year. I can't. Risk anything. Fine. What about that meeting later to discuss finances? Yes, but don't expect any cookie. But what if I'm hungry? No cookie. And uh, immediately after this, uh, we get a shot of Ryan just absorbing all this information, and then a silent talking head of Ryan (laughs) just staring at the camera horrified (laughs) and shocked. There's a brief moment after Angela leaves that Ryan makes eye contact with Dwight and quickly looks away again Uh as he does, yeah. (laughs) Dwight just leaves the room. Yeah. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) So, no cookie for Dwight this evening, unfortunately, (laughs) despite his hunger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We go back to Jim and Pam in the store, and we see them just kind of turning the corner around an aisle, and Jim grabs some fabric softener off the shelf and puts it in the cart, and Pam seems very tickled by this, and asks him, kind of surprised, if he uses fabric softener. It's just like... Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you don't? don't? <laughs> she says, no, she does, and she laughs. And uh, it's a fun little flirty scene. I also find yeah. it, like, what's so surprising about... Maybe she's with Roy, who I feel like is basically a giant eight-year-old, so... And his only probably... has only been with Roy. Right. So maybe she just of. isn't aware that men can be aware of fabric softener? Yeah, I guess so. She definitely uses it as a dig on him later. Seems to think it somehow bit, makes yeah. him slightly effeminate. There's something funny about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you use fabric softener? Personally, um, no, but I used to, and I only yeah. stopped because I read the chemicals weren't great. But then uh, recently I did some more research and saw that that might have been completely overblown. So I might be going back to using fabric softener soon. Is there really much of a difference between using the liquid fabric softener and the dryer sheet? I've never used the liquid. I've only used the dryer sheets. Dryer sheets, yeah. Yeah. See, I mean that... Jim got the liquid. He did. I I have to assume it's similar. Yeah. But I would... I mean, you obviously have to put in the fabric softener in the wash cycle. Right. All right, we're cutting all this. (laughs) I think my laundry machine, we can cut this too. I just assume we were cutting it at this point. Yeah. uh, It has 
I'm not 100% sure, but I think there's like a separate thing for Fabric Software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that different, a yeah, separate yeah, well like or whatever. Yeah. For Bleach or whatever. Right. So, yeah. Just one extra step. <laughs> Maybe we should try it. Let's do it. To the top of the list. Fabric Softener. <laughs> On the list. There we go. <laughs> You're going to have the softest clothing while we watch Jack Ryan mm. season two. Oh, yes. Yeah. Those are things that are happening in reality. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're back. <laughs> All right. So now we leave Jim and Pam, PB and J, and we go back to the office just in time for Michael's birthday song. Oh. Happy birthday, dear Michael. Happy birthday to you. Hello. Hey. Kevin, respect the birthday, please. No. Um, no, not yet. I will. It was just Stacy. Are you done? Good. Okay. Here we go. I'm gonna make a wish. Blow out the candle. Okay. Uh. Mm. Yeah! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I asked for trick handles. Pam was supposed to get them. Okay. Well, when she comes back, we'll do it again. Okay. Hello. What about the birthday boy? Haven't had a hug all day. <laughs> No one cares about your birthday. Kevin's waiting to hear if he has skin cancer. <clears throat> oh, that sucks great. Wow, that's good timing. I'm s- sorry, that's terrible. Terrible news. That's terrible. Terrible news for both of us. So, Michael, what a juvenile reaction. Yeah, he is so upset to hear about Kevin's skin cancer. Not at all because of any empathy for Kevin. No. Just because it takes the spotlight off him. And he makes it very obvious to everybody there. Yeah, and I feel like he, he tries to save himself, realizing how it looks, but he doesn't do it. No. And just storms off. And, um, yeah, not a good look for Michael. (laughs) Sad, petulant Michael. Yeah. I also love him singing the high harmony on his own birthday song. (laughs) Yeah. That is, that's gold. So, yeah, we bounce back now once again to the store. And it looks like they've decided they've had enough time. Pam checks her watch, says they should probably get back. It's probably been, you know, I mean, counting the flight to California. (laughs) At least 13 hours that they've been gone at this point. At least, yeah. So, they uh, pass a PA mic on their way out of the store. And they see it just sitting there unattended. And Jim dares Pam to make an announcement. Use the mic. And <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> quit, quit stalling. <laughs> <laughs> and she does quit stalling. She goes to the mic and says, Luke, this is your father. Come set the table for dinner. and breaks down giggling at jim who calls her such a dork yeah and then she gets her edge back and uh 
makes eye contact with Jim and calls for a price check on fabric softener for Jim Halpert. (laughs) (laughs) And then a disgruntled store employee who actually, apparently, according to credits, is the store manager. It makes sense. She was she was holding a clipboard. It does. Yeah. And she's a little older, maybe, I guess, than you'd expect a random employee to be. Maybe not. Depends. I also assume that most just peon employees aren't going to care that a customer is using the PA system. That's probably also true. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't if I worked there. That's I would, a good point. I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this lady cares, and she's got seniority. Yes. And she informs Pam that that is not a toy, and she needs to stop. Yes. And it is very adorable that Pam apologizes to the woman, but still into the microphone. <laughs> yeah. So it's just over the that's, store. That's true. <laughs> and then turns it off and raises her head and apologizes, you know, in person. Mm-hmm. Walks back to Jim, who uh, <laughs> asks her, how old are you? How old are you? <laughs> Pam replies, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, as much ire as possible in the I hate you. Yes. Course. Yes. <laughs> no mirth. and uh from here let's take a moment to talk about the store manager who's played by sarah van horn hey and um yeah usually don't bother with characters that only have one or two lines unless it's someone that's pretty famous but this character stuck out to me because i recognized her she's been in many a tv show many things many many and the thing i recognized her from specifically was gretel from parks and recreation yes who has a lot of scenes. She's not happy about slugs. <laughs> She's not happy about waste in public park waters. Yes. When she uh, disobeyed a sign and made sun tea and gave herself an infection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so gross. It's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she's played by Sarah Van Horn. And um, as you said, she's got a big resume. She's been in, besides the office in Parks and Rec, Grace and Frankie, Grey's Anatomy. Which I thought was funny, considering the Grey's Anatomy reference oh, in yeah. this episode. Right. Although, at this time, she had not been in it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, she's been in CSI, Weeds, Community, multiple episodes, Scrubs, My Name is Earl, Will and Grace, Primary Colors, and tons of other stuff. That Just too many to list. Honestly. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Grey's Anatomy went on for ten years after it was mentioned in this episode? Grey's Anatomy is still on, I believe. No. Yeah. Wow. And I think her credit for Grey's Anatomy was from last year. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So I assume, unless it got canceled in 2018, I feel like that would be newsworthy. Wow. All right, back to the episode. we got to get through this. It's we do. so long. <laughs> <laughs> we come back to the office from the store, where we see Kevin is now sitting down with Toby... And they are discussing his health insurance, which is probably a good thing to talk about. And we have yet another clip. Yes. Honestly, is there any way you can get on your fiance's plan? Our health plan is, is, is it's terrible. There you are. Good news. Did some research. It turns out that 98% of people with skin cancer fully recover. It's still scary. Yeah, but it's not brain cancer. And it shouldn't stop us from having fun. You know what they say the best medicine is? Well, the doctor said a combination of interferon and decarbazine. And laughter, also. I don't really think people are in the laughing mood. Why are you here? I didn't even invite you to my birthday party. I work here. Mm, okay. All right. Well, you know what? Since Toby doesn't speak for everybody and I am your boss, I think you should just go home. Take the rest of the afternoon off. Take a sick day. 
If I go home now, I'll just drive myself crazy. Well, you're pretty much driving everybody else here crazy. Crazy with worry. Where have you been? And don't say the bathroom, because I kicked in all the stalls. Well, that's an invasion of privacy, so I'm going to tell Michael. Please, don't. You owe me. Excuse me, everyone. Attention, please. Kevin. We're going to take you to a very special place, a place that will make you happy and a place that is far, far away from the evil sun. Is this trip in any way related to your birthday? How dare you, sir? You're gross. <laughs> I love that line. How dare you, sir? You're gross. <laughs> and then immediately after that line, I, I, I'm going to jump ahead just for a second. Sure. Here. We see them at the skating rink, and there's just a giant happy birthday Michael banner. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, yeah, there's a, uh, a bit of silence we're going to cut out of the middle of the clip. But um, we see Michael cutting out a, the yellow construction paper Livestrong bracelet that he mm-hmm. makes for himself. And the best part is, is he, like... Acts like, okay, so is this going to be visible if I'm just doing the things I normally do? Right, my day? he poses yeah. as if he'd naturally pose for someone walking in his office and to they, see. The camera is, is seemingly hidden from him, so he's doing all of this not knowing anybody's watching him. Right. Yeah, and that's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I love Toby talking about how the insurance they get through Dunder Mifflin is awful. Yeah, before Michael cuts them off. <laughs> and that he should try to get on Stacy's insurance plan, his fiance. Right. <laughs> Michael talking about how Kevin is driving everybody crazy. Yeah, with worry. Oh, <laughs> also, just tough. the epitome of tastelessness when he tells Kevin the survival statistics, <laughs> and then when he says the line... It's not like it's brain cancer. He mm-hmm. smiles to the camera like that's the punchline of a joke. Right? Uh, <laughs> Just, oh, my. How twisted. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> 98% survival rate. And Kevin just looks at him. Still scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> and there is a deleted scene slightly related to this where we see uh, that he had Ryan, it looks like, print up a bunch of stuff from WebMD. And All, going of the over. All the statistics. Yeah. Right. Ryan does not look like he's having fun reading it. Like, Michael specifically requests, like, don't tell me, tell the camera. And Michael, (laughs) Ryan has to break down all of these numbers to a camera, and he's just, yeah. I also noticed that maybe I read too much into the deleted scene, but it seemed like after Ryan read out the 98% survival rating for people five years after localized melanoma Mm -hmm. it seemed like he started to read a different survival rate for people with different types and michael just cuts him off and he's like nope 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 (laughs) yeah true oh man yeah um definitely some tough moments in that clip yeah (laughs) poor kev from a cringe perspective oh very cringy yeah And yeah, as you pointed out, uh, the first thing we see when we get back from the commercial break is the office staff entering an ice skating ring under a banner that reads, Happy Birthday, Michael Scott. (laughs) And Michael looks up and comments that that shouldn't be there. And Dwight immediately offers to get the staff to take it down. And Michael poo-poos that idea. (laughs) So no, no, it's already up. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about it. It's already up. (laughs) 
yeah, we see everybody skating. We see Ryan is stumbling, looks terrified, and is holding on to Kelly, who's trying to talk him through it, and seems very amused that he is holding on to her for dear life and is enjoying it. And yeah, uh, she even manu- I think she purposefully maneuvers him so that his arm ends up being around her shoulder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of stumbles into position. Yeah. And uh, we also see Jim helping Pam balance, holding her hand because she doesn't seem to know how to skate. Yes. As was pointed out earlier in the trivia. Mm-hmm. And we see Creed and Dwight skating behind them uh, just normally. And then we see Michael skate up from behind and cut in front of everybody. Decked out in full hockey gear. He's got a helmet, a jersey, and a stick. And pads. And pads, yeah. <laughs> and uh, not sure what he's going to do with those pads, although we're going to find out shortly. Mm-hmm. And he skates up past Dwight and Creed and over to Jim and Pam and uh, pretty much cuts them off. Yeah, he yeah. just slices in front of them entirely. And yeah. Jim is just taken aback. He's like, is that Michael? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Dwight's enthusiastically cheering him on as he... Yeah, as soon as Michael cuts Jim and Pam off, you you hear Dwight in the background just go, Yeah! (laughs) It's like the same cheer as when the firefighters showed up in the fire. exactly. (laughs) Great team player, that Dwight. (laughs) (laughs) And we get a little talking head with Michael where he explains he used to play a lot of hockey... And could have gone pro, but decided uh, he wasn't going to do it because it would make it really hard to have a wife and a kids. Which he really wants. Yeah, he really wants to have a wife and kids. And he (laughs) he says that with strong conviction into the camera. He does. Yeah. It's also a little bit of a contradiction with the last episode where we see that Michael, you know, gains an appreciation for children and wants children. That now he says he's always wanted kids. Well, he didn't say always. He just says... Oh, but I see, because he avoided the NHL. But, I mean, obviously, that's just made up. So, any excuse that he can come up with, he's going to use. Well, it does seem like he's pretty good at skating, at the very least. You don't know how good he is at hockey, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not pro good, but I, I still, he's pretty good on the ice. Right. I, I don't think he was ever an NHL contender, though. You know, you got to be in minor league before you get there. And He was number one contender. Your college, something. Yeah. He was seriously, he was being groomed, Rob. (laughs) Groomed for the position. By, uh... Cherokee Jack? Cherokee Jack. Yeah. There you go. Mop. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now we're getting way ahead. Seasons ahead. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) Streets ahead. All right. Um, So, yeah, after Michael's talking ahead, we get to see the office staff skating around again, and we see Toby skating normally up until michael flies in from the side and body checks him into the wall (laughs) and i made a note that toby just crumples pathetically under michael's body check it it almost looks like somebody who just gets hit in a fight and immediately just drops the ground at a fetal position yep just put up no resistance at all (laughs) and um yeah, we cut back to Pam and Jim, and we see Pam showing off that she can finally stand on her own. She's very proud of herself. Mm-hmm. And Michael skates up once again and mentions to Pam that, you know, with all that stuff going on with Kevin, next time she's in the shower, she really ought to check herself. You know, give herself an exam. And then he motions to her breasts with the top of his <laughs> hockey stick, 
and says, you know, those things are like ticking time bags, so, you know, just think about it, skates off. <laughs> and Pam turns open mouth to Jim, just kind of staring at him like she In doesn't shock. know what yeah. to say. Yeah. And uh, Jim smiles and says, you know, it's just something to think about. <laughs> and it seems to kind of bring her back. She laughs, and she's having a good time again. Yeah. She shoves Jim. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yeah, they've been very physically affectionate with each other this whole episode. Oh, yeah. I feel like, well, for half of the episode, it makes sense because they're alone, away from the rest of the office staff. Pam's not going to be judged for being physical with Jim, and Jim is going to, of course, do it as much as he can. I mean, this isn't, you know, there's been times previously to this that they've been, you know, flirted physically. It's true. Yeah. But it seems like in a lot of times, Pam gets awkward if other people are around and tries to shut it down had anybody been like mean mugging them or you know intently watching them she would have gotten uncomfortable right yeah that's true but not so with the skating rink it's true yeah we see michael skates up to kevin who is not skating he's just kind of standing off to the side talking to some people Mm -hmm. and uh michael checks to see if he's heard anything and he is not and michael tells him well live strong Shows off his bracelet. <laughs> Kevin says, thanks, Michael. Michael's name gets called from behind, and he turns, and who does he see but Carol? Real estate to the stars. Real estate agent to the stars. <laughs> <laughs> he skates over, and, you know, out commenting to the camera, she sold him his condo. Yeah. And he asks her if the skating rink is on the market. <laughs> and uh, she responds, no, she doesn't just sell real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I honestly, the cadence that Michael says that, I feel like it's clearly a joke that she just kind of took weirdly seriously. Oh, really? I, I mean, he said it with the cadence of a joke. It's to my thinking. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Michael's pretty dense, but... Right. I don't know if he's quite that dense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she tells him that she is, in fact, there to take her daughter for a skating lesson. Um, weird she doesn't mention her son. I guess yeah, the son's I mean, just there. Maybe he doesn't have a lesson. He's just there to skate. Right. So Michael gestures the group of five children that are with her that are also, uh, <laughs> I, I, w- I will say, I thought it was funny that multiple kids look like they're about the same age. Uh-huh. And Michael asks if they're all her kids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> One of them is black and the, all the, the others are white, which again, they could hypothetically all be her kids, but right. I feel like the similar ages... Unless she had, like, quadruplets, makes it fairly unlikely. <laughs> One of which was black and the others were not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she corrects Michael, says no, you know, just the two in the front. And he immediately disregards all the other kids and asks if uh, they want a ride. Checks with her if it's okay if he gives them a ride. She says, sure, why not? And he uh, raises his stick and tells them to hold on and starts skating backwards with them, you know, and Having fun. Mm-hmm. And Carol looks pretty charmed. Yeah. Pretty tickled. Just enjoying watching him. And, uh, yeah. Good move, Michael. Yeah. Good move, Michael. Um, Which is a very rare phenomenon. It is a very rare it, phenomenon. In the dating realm, especially, for him. Yeah. I don't even know if he's aware that that's a possibility for him at this point. No, he definitely yeah. isn't thinking about this that way. Yeah. We cut to Creed in the arcade. It looks like he's playing Time Crisis and taking it very seriously. Mm-hmm. He's holding the orange pistol, and it looks like he's using proper firing form, too, for a pistol. Just holding it to the screen, playing it with some kid. 
Leave it to Creed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we see in the back, uh, you know, everyone who's skating. We see now Ryan seems to have separated from Kelly and is holding hands with Phyllis oh, randomly, skating with her. I didn't notice that. Yeah. And uh, we see that Michael is seems to be giving Carol's kids a skating lesson now, essentially. Yeah. Which he's, is something he's well-suited to do. Right, for sure. Yeah, he's, he's, he's telling them how to, like, push themselves forward on skates. Yeah. And uh, from here, suddenly Kevin's phone rings, and we have one final clip that actually takes us right to the end of the episode. All right. Good. That's great. You got it. Excuse me. Hello? Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, I will, thanks. This is negative. We're going to beat this, okay? We're going to... Come here. Well, apparently in the medicine community, negative means good, which makes absolutely no sense. In the real world community, that would be chaos. This is awesome. Thanks, you guys. Okay, who's this from? Wow, we look at that jersey. Turn it around. Turn it around. Cool. Oh, great. From Dwight. Thank you, Dwight. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. This is from all of us. Oh, you didn't need to do that. Night swept. This is really amazing. Thank you. I love it. Michael's birthday was actually pretty cool. It was a good day. I don't know. It was a good day. <laughs> and that's the end. That's all she wrote. And by <laughs> she, I mean Lee yeah. Eisenberg and Gene Stupitsky. <laughs> Stupnitsky. 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 There you go. Yeah. So when Kevin gets the news, Michael is standing right in front of him and the rest of the office kind of gathers around behind him. Mm-hmm. And when Kevin says it's negative and smiles at everybody, everybody there surrounding him smiles except for Michael. (laughs) (laughs) He stomps his foot and throws his stick down. He tears off the Livestrong bracelet. That's right. Throws it down on the ground. Like, why? It was his magic good luck charm and it didn't Uh, help. (laughs) I mean, that's my takeaway. I don't know why. Uh, He's Michael. He was throwing a little kid tantrum. Yeah. And he thought he just genuinely heard something really horrible. Oh, it's true. No, I, if, <laughs> if it was what he thought, his reaction was warranted. It's just funny that he didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I do enjoy that gag when it's used in shows. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld did the same thing with George. Oh, really? Where he, when they are doing the pilot in season four, he's uh-huh. agonizing about a white spot on his lip that everyone's telling him <laughs> to go get checked out. Oh, right. And he finally does, and he's just in a panic about it, convinced that God's going to kill him. <laughs> and he hears over the phone, it's negative, and he starts screaming, Oh, God, no, why? <laughs> oh, it's good? <laughs> Negative's good? <laughs> yeah, I, I also like that uh, I noticed, I, I don't know if I noticed other times around, or maybe just didn't make note of it, especially... 
that when Kevin announces that it's negative to the group, in addition to everyone clearly being relieved and happy, mm-hmm. Dwight is maybe the most enthusiastic, genuinely so, of all. He pumps his fist in the air. Nice. And he's just smiling, and he's like, you know, he's interacting with Creed off to the side, who you don't even see it in the shot oh, wow. until it, you know, kind of pans out, and you see that it was Creed standing next to him. And oh, I didn't catch that. He's just kind of, yeah, he's like clapping him on the shoulder, like, we did it, like, it's all yeah. going to be okay, and... <laughs> And then, yeah, I feel like also on the same token, he seems maybe more genuinely confused than anybody besides Kevin to Michael's reaction. (laughs) Nice. The gift he got Michael. (laughs) From Dwight. (laughs) Number one! (laughs) I love his fake restrained enthusiasm voice. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so good. Michael is not at all pleased with that hockey jersey. (laughs) Yeah, no. And in the clip, Kevin's uh, gratitude was at Jim and Pam for all the things that they brought him. Oh, no. The gratitude was the the card that everybody got him because it had a bikini-clad woman on the front. Oh, is that what he was saying? Yeah. It's awesome. Just the card? Yeah. Ah, I did not catch that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I assumed it was like they gave him all the stuff and he was just saying it while right. I was reading the card. The but... first couple times I watched through the series, that's what I thought it was. And then one time i was just like oh that's great catch there's a bikini clad woman on the front of the card that's what he's excited about because <laughs> of course it's kevin and one more thing we should mention is that in pam's talking head when she mentions it was a good day they they show a clip of her and jim uh laughing in the drugstore as they're looking at greeting cards right it's a direct parallel to the episode where dwight steals that giant commission from jim and the episode ends with mm. Pam falling asleep on his shoulder in the conference room and with Jim saying it was a pretty good day overall. You're right. You're Although right. for that, Jim had a genuinely horrible day that ended with Pam falling asleep on his shoulder and Pam had a pretty good day. It's true. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like she realizes everything the cameras caught that day. And when she's, you know, talking about how it's a good day, she's very giddy when she says it initially. Mm hmm. And I think she tones it down when she realizes that her true feelings are spilling over a little bit too much and that she needs to pump Mm -hmm. the brakes. It's just interesting. I think she's... She's saying a lot of things. She's saying a lot of things. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think we get a little window into Pam's mind and that she's starting to warm up to to her feelings for Jim a little bit more and not running away from them as much right maybe that's just my take yeah i mean why not yeah so seems good to me i mean it seems like things have been going that direction for her very slowly throughout this season yeah i would agree yeah and we're getting pretty late into the season and you know it's happening it's happening it's coming (laughs) (laughs) all right that being said Episode's over. Should we move on to... Ratings! Let's do it. Ratings. Just a name and number, and no one even says hello. 
Let's rate this sucker and go home. You're up first, Rob. I'm up. What you got for us? It's on me. It is all on you. I enjoyed this episode. Did you now? I love the little vignettes we get into Michael's past birthdays. (laughs) That's probably... Whenever I think of this episode, those are the two scenes that I think about. And they're great every time. I I love Michael's deadpan delivery as he's telling these stories when you know for a fact that Steve Carell on the inside is kind of having a hard time giving these little anecdotes without breaking a smile. Right. Because they are are just, they would be horrible birthdays. (laughs) I... It's hard to watch Michael be so selfish about Kevin and his potential illness and his just general anxiety about the phone call mm-hmm. and how it's dampening spirits on his birthday where he wants the whole office to be very excited about it, like his delusion going into the day. Right. Yeah. And Kevin, he he's almost blaming Kevin for it not being how he imagined it would be. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's tough to watch, but you do get some great moments out of it. I do like seeing the office rally behind Kevin. I love Kevin as a character and they do too. And this is, you know, we get some confirmation of that. Yeah. Kevin's great. Yes. And he's also not antagonistic with anybody in the office. No, it's true. I mean, yeah. Besides maybe Holly a little bit later on. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, Kevin's just a big teddy bear. How can you not love Kevin? Right. Yeah, he's the best. So I'm going to give my MVP before the rating. All right. Just because I feel like that's how I want to present it, and it'll turn out better that way. Lay it on us. I am going to give the MVP to Miss Angela Kinsey. Or wait, what's her name in the show? Angela Martin. Angela Martin. Either way, it works. I feel like... Maybe she, it's not that she struggled to cross a threshold that I've been waiting for her to cross, but maybe she just hasn't had enough opportunity or it's been so long now that she's really built it up. But I feel like she's finally reached the point where her pettiness and her just general confrontational nature towards everybody finally breaches into funny from annoying and eye roll inducing. Okay. I think, I feel like like watching this episode, there was many a time where she would do something snarky and I would laugh like, okay, that is finally funny because (laughs) up to this point, most of the time that she's, you know, had her little quips and one-off remarks, it's just, it's been more annoying than funny to me. I feel like this episode, it's finally like, Maybe her character is just established so much now Mm. that I think it breached funny for me. Okay. And I was, you know, going through... Before we started recording, I was going back and forth between Michael and Angela. Interesting. And I didn't know who I was going to pick at the end. But I think, you know, now that we've dissected this episode as much as we can, I do really enjoy all of her little quips and her little interactions with Dwight and it's, she was just really good in this episode. Yeah. She was great. Yeah. That's good MVP. So, and then that leads me to my rating. I can't think of anything else. I really want to explore in this episode. 
But uh, I give this episode eight and a half ticking time bags out of ten. Oh, that's a good rating. <laughs> <laughs> I like that unit. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So I think I'm going to go ahead, I guess, for my rating. I'll go ahead and start off with my MVP as well. Okay. And I kind of struggled with this. I wasn't really sure what direction to take it in. All right. Up until now, kind of. Yeah. Where I decided my direction would just be anyone other than whatever you said, whoever you said. And you probably wouldn't, weren't expecting I, I to wasn't, say that No, I, I yeah. didn't even think of Angela, to be honest with you. So yeah. that was a great MVP. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say mine is maybe a little more obvious. I think I'm going to have to give the MVP award to Dwight. Hey. Number one. <laughs> Number one. Yeah, I, I just love his over-the-top enthusiasm the entire episode and how he's constantly trying to mollycoddle Michael, is the only person trying to mollycoddle Michael. Yes. And all of it is just making it worse. Mm-hmm. I also really enjoy, even though we didn't clip it, his rendition of William Joel. Yeah. (laughs) You know what's funny is just the the volume that he was playing it at almost made the song unrecognizable. (laughs) Yeah, it was very loud. (laughs) Very raucous. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, just a lot of fun Dwight, you know. It really was. He was just there in every scene, sucking the funny out of the room. (laughs) Or adding it into it, so to speak. And, yeah, and I thought he was pretty great. But uh, everyone did a good job in this episode. I can't think of any weak links, really. I do really love... I don't know why this sticks out to me, but it's just one of those lines that I always say with him. It's not even anything. It's when he is informed by the sub-delivery guy that they don't do eight-foot subs, so he only brought... Yeah, (laughs) he just says F. <laughs> when whenever I watch this episode, I always say that line along with him. I don't know why. It's just a weird thing I do. It's funny that there's lines like that because I also have lines like that in the office, okay. and some of them are not jokes at all. Good. Now I don't feel like such a weirdo. One of them is another Dwight line. It's from next season. Every time that I watch the merger. Whenever Dwight is announcing new employees as they enter the office, I have no idea why. I don't know what sticks out to me about it or why I enjoy it. Yeah. But there has not been a single time I've watched that episode without shouting out with Dwight in unison, Hannah, Smote Ridge Bar. <laughs> I think it's just a unique name. I just That's like saying it. really funny. And what is that character? She's in like two episodes, maybe, and she doesn't even have any funny lines. Is that the tall one that breastfeeds? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Was that a squid's eye? <laughs> oh man um so yeah i'm right there with you okay um <laughs> as far as rating the episode goes um yeah it's an enjoyable episode i feel like there's a lot of great stuff a lot of great michael insight and it's definitely one of the more iconic ones of this season mm-hmm. if that makes any sense yeah it sticks out to me and like you said, the scene, the shot of Michael, you know, going into the ceiling is pretty iconic. Right. And, uh, yeah, just everything all together. Kevin does a good job, seeming very perturbed and scared. Anxious, yeah. And anxious, and it's just in a very relatable and believable way. Yeah. Yeah, great episode overall. I feel like maybe it being the sick episode detracts a little bit from me, just because uh-huh. I feel like when episodes have a specific thing 
yeah it kind of takes away a little bit for me but maybe that's not fair that's just me being nitpicky i mean it does me. broach a heavy subject and you know well it's not even that it does that that it sticks out to me but it just it i feel like it's the same as a holiday episode where it sticks out to me almost like they're you know checking things off a checklist I see. Where even if the episode itself is great, it still feels mm-hmm. like it's there because somebody at some point was like, we need to have this somewhere, so might as well be here. I see what you're saying. And maybe I'm wrong, but it strikes me as that a yeah. little bit. But doesn't detract from how I feel about it overall. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be maybe slightly less generous than you, but not that much less. And I'm going to give this episode eight... Party size, bologna, tomato, and ketchup subs. <laughs> the best. The best. <laughs> he says it with so much assurance and confidence. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> Somebody ate three feet of that thing? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that's... I'm going to stick with that. I like it. Dwight and eight. All right, we did it. Three and a half hours later. Did it really take that no, long? No, it's two and a half, though. It doesn't feel a minute longer than three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so hot. <laughs> it's true. But we did it. We did it. Good stuff. I'm and right. yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have anything else to add, honestly. No. I feel like if anything, I'm sure, we've, we've overstayed our welcome. I'm sure everybody's tired of our voices by now. I'm tired of our voices I by know. now. Yeah, going to take a bow of silence for a week. Let's do it. <laughs> That's on the top of our list. Yes. <laughs> our to-do list. Well, everybody, hope you enjoyed it. We had fun. We did. You know, social media, email and whatnot. Yeah. We, we love hearing from you guys. All that jazz. It's a lot of fun. It we is. Have, we have a lot of fun doing this. And we have a lot of fun entertaining all of you. We do. If we do that. I don't even know. Maybe, the, maybe people just like, ugh. I just want to watch The Office right now, but I can't, so <laughs> might as well just listen to people talking listen about these, it. These assholes <laughs> go on for way too long. You know what I thought about the other day? <laughs> this would be a really good way for a blind person to really get a good grasp of what The Office is about. Cause oh, man. We go into great detail about the physical actions of the silent scenes. Yeah, you raise a good point. Yeah. This could be a... On a, a, a business venture that's not being taken advantage of by us yet. Oh, you can yeah. say we have this podcast, but the podcast can also double as NBC's The Office for the Blind. <laughs> we have clips. We should. We just, have not gotten any permission to use any of said clips, but let's just here we are putting them out there. Let's starting <laughs> in season three. That's going to be the name of the podcast: The Office for the Blind. <laughs> the Office for the Blind. <laughs> it's not a bad title, truth be told. It's not. Maybe we should just take down all of our episodes, redo the intros, and relaunch <laughs> The Office for the Blind. Just scour every single episode, every single time we mention the name of the podcast, and we just punch in with The Office for the Blind. <laughs> Let's do it. it it'll, sounds it'll only take us 45 hours now to go through everything that we've done. We're going to ruin uh, Braille for all of our blind Office fans. <laughs> Right. Never going to be able to go back. (laughs) I do live literally two blocks from an institute for the blind. I'm going to go there tomorrow and pitch this podcast to everybody there. Really? Yeah, why not? Okay. 
We could we could gain a huge following of blind people. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, everybody. We got to go pitch our show to the blind. We're doing it. <laughs> Walking out the door right now. We will catch you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's great <laughs> y'all have a great one alright take it easy paper people later for the longest if you said goodbye to me tonight there would still be music left to write what else could I do I'm so Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.